Well, hey there, welcome to Hillside Missionary Church Online. We're so excited that you're joining us here today. We truly believe that we are not on your screen by accident, but that God intentionally wants to grow his relationship with you wherever you stand with him today, and we're here to help with that. So here's a huge welcome to Hillside Missionary Church Online. Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. yourself to me and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips you father the orphan your kindness makes us whole you shoulder our weakness your strength becomes our own you're making me like you clothing me in white bringing beauty from ashes for you will have your bride free from all her guilt and rid of all her shame and known by her true name and it's why your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips will be praised you will be praised with angels and saints we sing worthy are you lord you will be praised you will be praised with angels and saints we sing worthy are you lord and it's why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips.
Well, amen. Hey, we're going to continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke today. We're going to be in chapter 5 once again. Turn in your Bible or the YouVersion Bible app to Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 17 here today. If you are following along in the YouVersion Bible app, as always, I encourage you to follow us along there. We've created an event, so you just have to hit that More tab, then Events, then find us, Hillside Missionary Church, and then uh, click on Today's Service. You can find that uh, there, and you can find all of the information that you'd normally find in our online bulletin right in there. If you're also looking for our online bulletin, that's going to be a link in the description of wherever you're finding this content. Uh, We'd love for you to follow along. There's really cool things like reflection questions. You can go along with a sermon outline. Uh, There's announcements on there so uh, you can keep up to date with everything happening here, but we really encourage you to find that. Luke chapter 5, this is what happens. It says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Behold, some of the men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in uh, and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. Now the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. We're going to talk about this story, what this means for our lives, how to apply it uh, today here in 2021. But before we do that, let's just go before God as we always do. Ask Him to apply this to our lives. Ask Him to soften our hearts. We believe that God's Word is true. It's 100% perfect. And so we don't want to just live our lives the way that we seem fit, but the way that God sees fit. And so uh, what God, God's uh, word is always, we, we call it authoritative. It, what it says rules over our lives. And so let's just pray that if there's anything that God would have us to change, that we do it. Pray with me. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is good, that it is perfect, that it is authoritative over our lives. And so, Father, we pray that, God, if there's anything that you want us to change, soften our hearts to whatever that is. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to do what you're calling us to do, Jesus. We want to live our lives and be more like you and less like us. Jesus, help us to do that. Help us to take the example that we see here in your word and live it out in our lives. We don't want to just be people who show up to church or listen online and then just go off and live however we want to. But God, we truly want to be changed by you. We want to be transformed by you. We want to grow in our relationship with you. And so help us to do that today. It's in your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, I've got a question for you. Who are those people in your life who God has surrounded you with? Uh, Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend. 
Who are those people who don't know Jesus in your life? You know, maybe it's someone who you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe you've even lost hope for. And you say, man, that, that person, they're just kind of always going to do their thing. I've tried before and it just hasn't worked. Maybe it's a family member. You've been praying for them. Maybe it's a coworker who always seems to like come at you with all of their problems, right? Like you're sitting at work and they're like, man, you ever going to guess what happened to me this last weekend? Let me tell you, right? And for some reason, they just always want to talk to you about everything, right? And you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Man, you... Man, you really need some Jesus in your life, right? Like maybe it's a friend who seems to be okay. Their life just seems to be yeah, pretty normal, you know, and life just keeps chugging along and it just always has been okay. It probably always will seem to be okay. But you know, you know that their life is lost without Christ, that their life could be completely different. Maybe it's an acquaintance. You know, it's someone who you kind of know, you kind of don't. You're not super close with them, but you're just constantly rubbing shoulders with them. It's someone who you just constantly see. For some reason, you're always running into them at this or that or whatever. And the Lord maybe has even brought to your mind, hey, this is someone who I would like for you to share my love with, who I would like for you to talk about your faith with. And you're kind of like, man, I, I, I don't know about that. Could it be that God has put these people in your life so that you would tell them about him? So that you would tell them the amazing news that Jesus came, that he has lived a completely sinless life. He's lived a perfect life, that he is God and he crucified himself on the cross to pay for our sins. And all we have to do is simply acknowledge what he's done and accept this free gift and ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. That, like, that's it. Could it be that God has put these people in your life for that very reason? You know, I think we get this, right? Like, like, we know that this is God's call for our life. Like, we get the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that right before Jesus ascends to go back into heaven, He's already died, He's resurrected, He spent extra time with His disciples, and then He tells them this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, always to the end of the age. Like we get this. We get that it is every Christian's call to go out and to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples and that Jesus is with us as we're doing that. But for some reason, for some reason, we're always so hesitant to do this. Like, I don't know about you, but I think like having conversations about uh, our faith as Christians is like one of the most daunting things to do. Right? Like, it seems so easy. We talk about it here at church and we say, yeah, just, you know, talk to people about your faith and ask them to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, it's not that hard. Like, we make it super, super simplistic. But in reality, it can be really awkward. 
In reality, it can be really weird. In reality, we could always wonder, okay, how am I coming across that other person? Am I weird? Like, what are they going to think of me? I mean, shouldn't they, shouldn't they just be asking me? Like, should I really even have this conversation? I don't really know enough anyways. Um, like, isn't that like the pastor's job? Like, maybe I can invite them to church. Maybe if that's not too weird. But like, is it really my job? Is it really my place? Like, I'll just live a really good lifestyle and um, you know what, like uh, maybe I'll be really nice to them and eventually they will ask why like I'm, I'm, I'm so nice, right? And we know deep down like, man, there's just something off about that, right? Like God has called us to make disciples, but we make up all these excuses and in reality, like a lot of those excuses can be true. It can be really awkward. It can be really weird. We can't come across really odd. And, and so, like, I think we've got to look at this and go, man, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I do this? Because it is important. Because we know that if people do not accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, they will not live in heaven with the Lord for eternity. That they will be in hell. I mean, take a look at John 14, 6. Jesus says it himself. that He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, there is no other way to heaven except by having Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Like we get that, right? And we get the overused analogy of someone standing in, uh, you know, on some train tracks and a, a train is coming. And if you could push them out of the way, wouldn't you do it? Or if they're standing on the street and there's a bus coming, you push them out of the way, right? And you would obviously do that to save their life. Isn't eternity so much, you know, like more important than just your life here on earth? Like we get that. The problem is it's not always that easy, right? Like it's not always that easy. People have a free will. You can't just push them into having a relationship with Jesus. If it were that easy, I'd go around pushing everybody, right? Because it's that important. It's the most important decision that anyone would ever make in their entire life. And it's important that we tell people about that. But the problem is it's not an easy feat to do that. It's not easy at all. Like, to be honest, we've all seen people do it really poorly. Maybe you even have done it poorly and you've been ashamed of that. I'll never forget when I was in college, um, I, I studied Christian ministries. And so I had a class and the professor taught us uh, a way of logically working through, uh, you know, the concept of God with someone and the concept that there must be only one way of salvation. And so uh, we like charted it out and there's like logical and critical thinking, uh, uh, like letters and numbers and, we're, you know, this whole equation. And they're like, yeah, that's a great way that you could talk to someone about Jesus. And I was super, super excited to do this. And so I worked off campus. I sold cell phones at, uh, it's actually no longer in business, a company called Sprint. And I sold cell phones. There's a bunch of coworkers that worked with me. And uh, as with most sales positions, there's a lot of downtime as you're waiting for customers to come in. And so I, I was just sitting at the desk here. One of my coworkers was sitting next to me and she started talking about what she believes in. You know, we're having this really good conversation. I decided, man, this is the perfect time. This is the perfect time to use the chart that I just learned about. I was super excited and I started drawing this out to her. And I said, oh yeah, let me tell you what I believe in. This is why it's, this, it's just very logical. Let me just chart it out for you and why your position doesn't make any sense and it's illogical. But a minute later, after you know charting this out and discussing this chart with her, she stands up, she storms out of the room 
and she says, thanks for telling me I'm going to hell, Josh. And I never forget the embarrassment that I felt. I really damaged my witness by going about it this very simplistic way with her. And I really damaged my witness with the other coworkers that I had as well. You know, we want to make evangelism super, super easy. Just say these magic words. If, if you just have this very logical argument, right? If I just had this one argument, these magical words, then everyone would have to come to, to faith, right? Everyone would have to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It wouldn't make any other sense not to if I said this word just perfectly, or if I said this argument just perfectly. In reality, it's never that easy, though. Like it is always complicated. People are complicated. Everyone is in a different uh, position and situation and everyone has different baggage with these things. You know, I'm sure that my coworker, if I would have just listened to her more, if I would have listened to maybe the way that uh, she grew up in her situation or different things like this, that I would have known, man, maybe that's not the best thing to say. Maybe I should say something differently. But instead I boiled it down to something Super, super simplistic. So here's what I want to do today. I want to look at this story that we just talked about. This story from Luke chapter 5. Because there's a group of friends who are so concerned with their friend, are so concerned with them that they get him in front of Jesus even though there's no room to get him in this house and they literally have to tear the house apart in order to get him to Jesus. Like, that's how good of friends they are. I want to contrast that, their attitude, with some of the Pharisees who are standing around. Because these Pharisees, I mean, they are like cynical bystanders here. Like, they're looking around the girl, like, man, pff, Jesus, are, can you even do that anyways? Like, aren't you blaspheming? Like, can you even forgive sins anyways? I want to take a look at these couple of attitudes because I think they're attitudes that we all deal with. I want to give you some very practical ways to talk about your faith. But before we do that, I want to just acknowledge that there may be some people listening here. Maybe you are listening and you're not a believer. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I, I'm, I don't know where I stand with this stuff. Um, somebody convinced me to watch this. There's this really goofy pastor who loves Jeeps. I love Jeep. What, what, whatever. Like, and, and you're just saying, man, I, I don't know why I'm even watching this. It's on my screen. I, I don't even know why. If, if, if that's the case, if that's the case, I want to let you know, first and foremost, if you have uh, ever experienced someone who has tried to talk to you about Jesus and it went really poorly, Maybe you were that person who stormed out of the room. Thanks for telling me I'm going to hell, right? If you have, have been on the other end of that conversation and it went really poorly and you felt really hurt, I want to just first and foremost tell you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the reason that we're having this is because we're trying to get our lives to align to Scripture, to God's will here, and to tell people about the good news of what he's done for each and every one of us. If you are a Christian and you do believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, as the Bible says, as Jesus himself says, then you have to acknowledge that telling people about Jesus is super, super important. Like someone at one time told you about Jesus and then you accepted it. And aren't you, uh, aren't you like uh, thankful that someone uh, decided to do that? You could be that opportunity for someone else. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, first and foremost, again, we want to say that we're sorry and that we're committing to something better, that we're committing to say, we're going to do this God's way. We're going to tell you about the good news. 
the way that God tells us to. So how do we do that? Well, I've got four different observations here, four observations that I think that we learn from this passage in Scripture. I want to point out Luke chapter 5, verse 18, right at the beginning of the story, it says that some men were bringing on a bed. So this is plural from another gospel account. We actually find out that there's four men bringing this. That's, that makes sense, right? Bringing the man. There's one guy I could, could imagine like on every corner, you know, they're, they're bringing him in. They got this like gurney thing. They got this bed. They're picking this up. I find this actually pretty surprising, and here's why. Many times when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about bringing someone in front of Jesus, when we say, hey, I think that you need Jesus, many times we talk about this in a very unhealthy mindset. It's very individualistic. We say things like, how many people have you brought to Christ? Or we say, man, if you could only bring someone to Christ and they could bring someone to Christ and they could bring someone to Christ in just a year and we chart this all out, you know, in just like 20 or 30 years, everyone in the entire world would know Jesus, right? And it's this overly simplistic way of thinking about it. But these guys, they acted as a team. They acted as a team here. They said, hey, you know what? We got this friend. He's paralyzed. We need to get him in front of Jesus. Like, we know that Jesus is the only way that this life's, uh, this guy's life is going to be transformed. We know that there's only one way that he's going to be healed, and that's if we get him to Jesus. And so they all team up. In fact, they all team up so much. They team up so much that they literally have to go up and tear the, the, the roof apart on this house and lower him in, right? Like, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. But if we look at all of Scripture, this is actually a much more accurate way of talking about evangelism. Take a look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, What is then Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Paul is giving this analogy to the church in Corinth about how people can come to Christ. And he's saying, hey, you know what? My, my partner over here, Apollos, uh, he watered and uh, I planted, but God's the one who's growing this. In other words, we as human beings don't save anybody. We can plant, we can water, but God gives the growth, right? It's this wonderful analogy of talking about a plant who grows, right? And there could be one who plants, one who waters. Maybe one even comes along and says, all right, we got to tend to this. We got to, uh, you know, put some fertilizer around the soil, right? Like this is a team partnership happening thing here, right? Like, take a look here in, the, in this next verse. Uh, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Right? I love this because like no, no, no longer is it just the person who got to pray with that person and that person accepted Jesus like, like that, that's great, like that's awesome. But it's also the people who had conversations with them, who loved them, who showed them God's love along the way too, right? Like it's this team partnership thing happening here. And it's not individualistic. That, that can happen. There are instances of that happening, obviously. Maybe you uh, came to Christ just because one person had a conversation with you. That's awesome. 
But many times it is a team effort here. And so from a Christian's perspective and looking at the non-Christians in your life, how do you go about it at a, as a team sport here? Well, I think that first and foremost, it involves gathering other Christians around you and saying, hey, I got this person in my life. They need Jesus. Would you commit to praying with me? Would you commit to praying, asking God for opportunities for me to speak into their life, to have these godly conversations and to keep me accountable to this, right? Like that is super easy. You can go to other Christians. Hopefully you're in a small group. If you're not, we'd love to get you involved in one. But you can go to your, your fellow Christians. And you can say, hey, I need your, I need your accountability. I need your prayers. I, I need help with this. I need help with this. These guys got it. Like, these guys got that this is a team effort here. And look what else they got to you. If you look at this, not only are they bringing him before Jesus, but as I alluded to earlier, they also have to, like, find a way to get him to Jesus. Because when they show up, there are so many people around Jesus at this guy's house that they literally have to go up on the roof and tear the roof apart and lower him in to get him to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the homeowner, and I see my roof like coming off, um, I think I'm going to have some questions, right? Like I'm going to be like, uh, can you put those tiles back, right? Like um, I worked really hard for this house, right? I mean, could you imagine like cleaning? Oh, hey, hey, honey, we're going to have Jesus over. Make sure everything is clean, right? And then during the, during the get together, like your roof starts like falling apart, right? And you're like, well, pff, that was all for nothing, right? I mean, this is crazy, but these guys, I mean, they had every, every opportunity to turn around and say, well, I guess it's not happening. Maybe we could do this later. Uh, maybe there's another opportunity we can get him in front of Jesus. But like today, like there's just so much going on. I mean, we've got to carry him on this mat. Like this kind of stinks. It's really heavy. And then they finally get hit there and they're like, oh man, there's so many people like, we can't just like tear this guy's roof off. Like, could you imagine like having that conversations, like the, the four of them, maybe even the paralyzed guy, like the five of them that are talking, they get there and they're like, ah, too many people, right? And one guy has the idea, hey, um, what if we like climb on the roof and like tear it apart? And then like, I got this rope in my backpack. We could like tie some rope on every corner of this dude's bed. And then we could like lower him in. And then like Jesus could see him, right? Like, that'd be awesome, man. Right? Who thinks of this? This is crazy. And yet, everyone else, I could just imagine going, oh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, man. Like, that's it. Like, what? If, like, if I'm that guy, I'm like, you, like, I'm the paralyzed guy. I'm like, you're going to do what? <laughs> like, that rope better be strong, dude. Like, you're, you're like, you got a good grip. Like, this is, it's not going to slip, right? And, you know, like, this is just like, that's, that's not good, <laughs> you know? And so I can only imagine that they could have had every excuse to turn around and say, no, this isn't happening today. But they didn't. They persevered. They persevered. They got through it. They said, they looked at the obstacles and they said, you know what? We're going to continue doing this because Jesus is the only one that can heal my friend. And I know that I've got to get my friend in front of Jesus. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. These guys did not give up. They persevered. How can you persevere? in telling people about Jesus. Maybe you've told someone about Jesus. Maybe you've had a conversation about your faith and it went poorly and that person is still in your life. 
and you're saying, man, the door's closed. I've, I've tried. I've done everything I can. I, I've prayed for them. I've gathered other people around me to pray for them as well. And like, it's been, it's been years and years and years. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, nothing's going to change here. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you know, I, I'm done having like faith conversations with this person. Maybe you need to persevere. Maybe you need to continue going on. Maybe you've been rejected by someone. Maybe you started to have that conversation and they said, oh, <laughs> no, no, I know where you're going with this. I'm not about to have that Jesus conversation. Maybe you've actually gone so far to ask them, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And they said, nah, I'm good. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you need to persevere. Maybe you need to keep on praying. Maybe it's someone really close to you, like a family member, a good friend, even a spouse. And you're saying, man, I've done everything. And now it's like kind of weird. And now it's kind of awkward because like they know where I stand and they know what I think that they should do. And they don't want to do that. And so it's just weird. And I don't know what to do here. If that's the case, we need to persevere. We need to keep on going. Just as these guys did. They had every excuse, but they didn't. They didn't take it. Maybe you've got every excuse as you're sitting at work and you're saying, you know, this is a work environment. I don't want to make it uncomfortable or I don't know how I'm going to be perceived by this person. Persevere. Continue on. Continue praying for this person. Continue praying for opportunities to bring up Jesus in conversation. Here's what I want to point out as well. Here in verse 20, it says this, now this is after they've lowered the man into the room where Jesus is. It says that when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Like, I, I find that really interesting that it says when Jesus saw their faith. Not when he saw the faith of the paralyzed man, right? But when he saw this collective faith. That this was a team effort here. That they've persevered through this as well. But also, I think it's very clear that these four guys and this paralyzed guy as well acted out of faith. That they acted out of faith. That there is something that doesn't even make sense about this story. Like, there is something that you, you read about this and you're like, they did what? They tore the guy's roof off? Like, is that like vandalism or like, like even worse, right? Like destruction of property. I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but you're like this, like, this is crazy, right? But Jesus says that they did this not out of destructive nature, but out of faith. Jesus says that they did this out of faith. Maybe you need to do something out of faith. Maybe you need to say, man, this doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't even know why I'm having another conversation with this person. I don't even know why God is bringing this person to my mind. I don't, even, I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know what, you know, uh, having a conversation or, uh, you know, spending time with this person is going to accomplish. But if you feel like the Lord is bringing someone to your mind right now, I'm begging you, act out of faith. When I was in high school, I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior for real. Like I had done it as like a little kid, but it didn't really affect the way that I live my life. And when I was 16, I actually did that for real. And God started bringing to my mind people who were uh, in my life who didn't know him. And so I started having conversations with people. I started reaching out to people. One of those people who I, I felt like God had put on my heart was my neighbors. 
you see, they were uh, immigrants from Vietnam, the mom and dad and uh, the dad's uncle, or I'm sorry, the dad's brother, they, the kids called him uncle. Uh, but they were immigrants from Vietnam and they had a Buddha statue out in front of uh, their front uh, lawn and they'd always put fruit in front of it. And so to me, it was like very evident that they didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I didn't even know how to talk to these people. Like the dad spoke pretty good English. The kids spoke English, but uh, and the kids were super um, uh, like a lot younger than I than I was. And, um, you know, the mom and dad and uh, the uncle, they kind of spoke broken English, especially the, the mom and the uncle. Like they didn't speak like hardly any English, if any. And so like it was just a, a weird situation. I'm like, how do I reach out to these people? Like they're super different from me. And so like I remember there was a guy at my church who uh, worked at a world missionary press down in New Paris. And uh, I talked to him about it. He got me some like uh, tracks in Vietnamese that talked about Jesus. I remember like giving that to them and uh, that didn't go anywhere. And uh, like, I remember just praying and praying and praying for him. And like, it seemed like nothing was going anywhere. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what else I can do, you know, other than have little conversations here and there with maybe the kids who speak better English and maybe the daddy spoke okay English. But I like, I just, I don't know what to do. And I remember I uh, got hired on as, as uh, the part-time youth pastor and eventually full-time youth pastor at my home church. And so I, I was a pastor in this community and uh, my brothers uh, started coming to the youth group that I was a youth pastor at. And I remember the, the Vietnamese kids that lived next to us, they were like the same age as my brothers. My brothers are a lot younger than I, than I am. And they started saying this, to me the same things like, hey, we got to get those guys to come to youth group said, let's start praying about it. Let's, let's do it. And eventually they did. And eventually they started coming to a small group. And uh, Andrew was his name. He especially had a ton of questions. Like he would just lift us question, 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 question. Like, why did God do this? Like, what, why does it say this in the Old Testament? Like, what, what about this question? You know, there's like so many things going on with this. And eventually we like, we just started talking to him. We started like looking this up together and eventually he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And it was, it would have been so easy in, in the midst of this to just say like, you know what? No, like this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to act out of faith that, that God could save them and God could give us these conversations. But we didn't do that. We continued on, we persevered, we acted out of faith. And because of that, today, Andrew is a part of a disciple-making movement at Purdue University. He loves Jesus and he's telling other people about Jesus too. It started this domino effect, which is exactly what happens here in this story here in Luke chapter 5. Look at what it says, that immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been laying on, and went home glorifying God. So this is a huge miracle. Not only did God heal him, but also like he gave him the muscles to be able to pick up his own bed. Like that's crazy. And it said amazement seized them all. Look at this. And they glorified God. They were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Now, if you remember earlier on in this story, there are Pharisees who once Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Like these Pharisees are like, come on. Can you even do like that's blasphemy? Can you do that? You can't do that. Like, come on. That's crazy. And then Jesus eventually just says, you know, like what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. 
Now, what he's alluding to is uh, essentially he's saying anyone could say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Like you could go to the gas station uh, today. You could be pumping gas in your car and you could uh, call over to the guy who's pumping gas in the next uh, pump over and you could say, hey, fella, your sins are forgiven. And you're probably going to get something like this. Okay. Thanks. Right? Like we, anyone could say that, right? But Jesus says, hey, I actually can do that. And let me prove it to you. Let me heal this guy. That's a lot harder than just saying your sins are forgiven because there's proof to it. Like the guy's got to be able to get up and walk away, which he does. And then there's a domino effect that happens because everyone around it, uh, around this situation is saying, whoa, that just happened. It says, Amazement sees them all and they glorify God. There's this domino effect because these friends got their friend to Jesus. Now everyone who was cynical, who was looking at Jesus saying, uh, he can't do that, who is he anyways, is now glorifying God. There's this amazing domino effect. Their actions had this domino effect. I want you to think about this domino effect that could happen if you were to tell the people in your life about Jesus. If you were to have that conversation, to act out of faith, to persevere, to ask people around you to pray for someone, and you actually had that conversation and they actually accepted Jesus, what could the domino effect be? Maybe their family gets saved. Maybe other people around you also get saved. They start asking questions and they're like, hey, that, like he, he was totally against Christianity. and He like changed. What did you say to him? I, I, I want that in my life too, right? Like that's the domino effect that could happen. I mean, at some point, someone had to tell Billy Graham about Jesus, right? And Billy Graham accepted that invitation to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And then he went on to tell millions about him. That same thing could happen. Who's that person in your life? Who's that person in your life that God has put on your heart today to talk to about Jesus? And I get that there's not any hard uh, tips here, any, any, any uh, uh, you know, you know uh, practical steps here other than gathering a team and persevering. And those are pretty broad things. I get that. But I think it's, uh, I, I think it's very clear here in Scripture that these are things that we need to do. That these are things that we need to do. And I think it's really crazy that God just gave us these broad things, right? Because there's no magic words. There are no magic words to say. Like, sometimes we put some guilt on ourselves, right? And, and we say, you know, if I would have only phrased it slightly differently, maybe, maybe they would have accepted Jesus. The reality is every single person has a free will to choose Jesus or to choose to reject Jesus. Every person has that free will. And not everyone that we talk to about Jesus will accept him as their Lord and Savior. That's just the reality of it. And that's a hard reality to grapple with sometimes. But what we can do is we can gather people around us to pray for people. We can persevere. We can continue on. We can act out of faith even when it doesn't even make sense. Even when we're like, I've already had these conversations. It doesn't make any sense. And we can keep that domino effect in mind. And we can say, man, what could God do if? What could God do with this conversation? What could God do if this person accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? And if you're worried about those words, if you're worried and you're saying, man, I want to, but I just don't know what to say. Like I said, there are no magic words. 
But here's what Jesus does promise us. He says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I think this biblical principle is true for when we're talking to people who don't know Jesus as well. I think this is true, that the Holy Spirit who lives inside each and every believer will guide us as we have conversations. And a lot of times that means we have to say, you know what, I'm going to let go of all of these arguments that I've looked up before and all of these logical things, and I'm just going to talk to someone. And if the Lord brings up something, then I'll say it. But I'm just going to trust Him. Because ultimately, it is only God who grows. Remember that analogy that Paul used in 1 Corinthians. It is only God who grows the plant. We can come along, and we can plant a seed, we can water it, we can tend to it, but it is only God who grows it. It is only the Holy Spirit working in someone's life that they uh, have the ability to choose Jesus. And we could be a part of that team that uh, God wants, that, 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 that team that uh, looks at someone and says, I'm going to pray for you, not uh, in a weird like uh, project mindset, but just in a genuine, man, they need Jesus because if they don't have him, then they will go to hell. It's this genuine concern, right? We could look at someone and we could go, man, I want them to choose Jesus. I want them to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to gather other people around me to pray for them as well. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to act out of faith even when it doesn't make sense. And I'm going to keep that domino effect in mind. And I'm going to dream big about what Jesus could do if I had that conversation. And in reality, it's not just one conversation more than likely. It's several. It's day in and day out. Sometimes it could take years for someone to accept Jesus. And that's really difficult. It's never as simple as one conversation. I mean, I guess it could be, but more than likely, it's several conversations. It's years and years and years of relationship building. We're going to persevere because that's what Jesus does. He gives us this example. That's honestly what God does for each and every one of us. He perseveres. And he allows for people to come into our life who already know him, to love us, to show us his love, and to guide us and to teach us who he is. And so many times God perseveres in our life. I think of how many times I rejected him. How many times I said, ah, that's fine, I'll just keep going to church. But you know what, I don't really want this uh, God thing to affect my life. God kept persevering for you. Who do you need to keep persevering towards? Who do you need to have that 18th, 20th, 80th, 102nd conversation with, right, about your faith? Who do you need to, to say, man, I'm going to keep praying for them no matter what. I'm going to keep persevering until they have a relationship with Jesus. And when they do, I'm going to help them to grow in their relationship. That's what God does for each and every one of us. Let's do that for the people who don't know Jesus around us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for everything you've done for us. 
for dying on the cross for each and every one of our sins, for loving us so well. And Jesus, as, as I'm sure you've brought to mind in each and every person listening, people who don't know Christ, that you have put in our lives. God, I pray that you would give us the words to say in that moment. I pray that you would give us those moments to have those conversations. Jesus, give, give us the courage to bring you up. Give us the courage to talk about you, to talk about what you've done in, in our lives. Help us to do that, Jesus. Because you are too important to misrepresent. Help us represent you well. You say in your word that we are your ambassadors. Help us to be good ambassadors, to portray who you are well, and to invite people to have a relationship with you, to grow in that relationship with you, to be transformed by you, and to be ultimately committed to your mission of making disciples. Help us all today to commit to that mission once again. And it's in your powerful, life-changing name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I love you, Lord. For your mercy With my life laid down and surrendered
Hey, thanks again for joining us. We are so excited that you did. If you could like, comment, subscribe on this uh, video or podcast, wherever you're finding this content, it really helps to get the message of Jesus Christ out there. And if God put somebody on your heart to share uh, his love with and, and to talk to about him, we really encourage you not to just keep that to yourself, but to tell other Christians around you. If you need some other Christians to surround you, to help you, to keep you accountable, to pray for those people who are in your life who don't know him, we'd love to get you involved in our small group program. We meet every week online and we'd love for you to join us. We love you church. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend.